Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shani, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm really excited to have Lucy Quick. She's a certified life coach and co-founder of Thrivalist Signature Sobriety Course, offering cutting-edge approaches to shifting subconscious beliefs about alcohol. Now, Lucy envisioned a safe space for women to change their relationship with alcohol and heal their lives. Now, Lucy dedicates her days to helping women worldwide form self-connections, transform their alcohol habits, and live joyful lives. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you, Shami. It's so good to be here. Lucy, I've always been interested in this topic because, you know, as a doctor, it's something that you're trained to ask, which is fair enough. Now, in a 10-minute consult, it can be extremely quick. Now that I do more integrative medicine, we've got longer time to spend and we can take a more detailed history. But what I find with alcohol, it's a journey of trust that how much they're willing to tell us. And also there's a lot of emotions surrounding it. Maybe there's guilt, there's embarrassment, they're feeling unsure whether they're ready to talk about alcohol. So in my journey with patients, often it might come up in the second or third consult when they're ready to approach it. And I have to say, I'm hearing a lot more women not struggling, but noticing that the alcohol intake has increased, realizing the impact on their lives, both health, social, relationship and are really keen to find ways of helping themselves. So I really was excited to hear what you're doing and it's phenomenal and it's just such a gap in what services are provided at the moment. So Lucy, I'd love to start. How did your journey begin? Thank you for that beautiful intro, Shami. So my journey began through my own personal experience of overcoming an alcohol use disorder. So I battled my own alcohol use disorder for, I mean, 20 years, really. So since I was a teenager, I used alcohol in an unhealthy way from a very young age, from 14, 15 years old. And I was using it to boost confidence. I had quite a low self-esteem. I also had social anxiety, which is so normal for teenagers, right, to be going out into the world and being at these big parties surrounded by people and feeling, you know, quite overwhelmed and lost. So I began to use it as a teenager. And I noticed from a really young age that I drank differently to people around me. And I was often the one who was blacking out. I was often the one who would sort of pass out at the party or do something crazy that I really felt really embarrassed and ashamed of. But unfortunately, I didn't stop in my teenage years because, and sort of what you touched on earlier, around this shame that we have when it comes to alcohol because society teaches us that it's not the alcohol's problem, it's our problem. And if we can't drink properly, that's something that we need to fix as opposed to it potentially being the fact that, well, alcohol is actually a really toxic psychoactive drug and it's highly addictive. So I kept, I guess, trying to drink normally throughout my 20s and the pattern of my life throughout my 20s and even 30s up until having my first baby was binge drinking on weekends, 
being able to moderate at times and feeling like, okay, I've got this under control or taking a month off here and there and thinking, yep, I don't have a real problem. I'm not under a bridge drinking out of a brown paper bag. I've got a successful marketing career. I've got my life together. But actually the binge drinking on the weekend and very, very regularly ending up in blackouts, ending up in situations that I shouldn't have been in, things that really didn't align with myself my own values and who I am as a person, doing things that were just embarrassing and shameful. And I would be full of regret and remorse for for days and even weeks after. And so I guess I kept this pattern of drinking going and I met my my husband, who's now my ex-husband, and he was a big drinker. So our relationship was very much revolved around drinking a lot as well. And it wasn't until I got pregnant with my first child and I stopped drinking altogether. And it felt like a relief. I don't have to be stuck in that nasty cycle of drinking, blacking out, doing horrendous things, doing dangerous things, stupid things, and then hating myself and suffering with anxiety and depression for weeks after. And so this beautiful nine-month period was just a welcome relief. But unfortunately, it didn't last long. And when I could start drinking again after breastfeeding, it ended up back. I, my drinking ended up back where I you know, had left it. So This continued on and it actually got worse after my second child. And I went back to drinking after six weeks with him when he was six weeks old because he had cow's milk protein allergy. I was told I couldn't breastfeed him. So I was back in my life and I was using it not only because, you know, for the original reasons of social anxiety and low confidence, but more just to cope with my life at that point. I was in a really unhappy marriage. We had two kids. I was working full-time with a very young baby in a job that I hated in an industry that was really stressful and gave me really bad anxiety. And I would use alcohol to mask what was going on and to cope. And so it really progressed from when my son was six weeks old up until he was six months. And it got to a place where I was at my darkest point ever, which was the end of 2018. And I had this really drunken Christmas day that ended up in me getting banned from Uber, plus a number of other wow. embarrassing things. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a whole other story in itself. And that wasn't my last drink. That boxing day, I woke up in my spare room in the house. I'd had a big fight with my husband. I didn't even remember any of it. I had a baby who needed me. And here I was just hating myself, hating who I was and my life. And I knew at that point something has to happen, but it wasn't actually at that point that I stopped. It was a week later and I had a wedding on the 27th. So it was the 26th and then I had a wedding on the 27th or the 28th of December. And I went to this wedding with this intention of moderation because I'd had this really horrible Christmas day. And I remember saying to myself, okay, you have to moderate at this wedding. You've got to drink three, no more than three glasses of champagne. You need to be drinking a glass of water every hour, eat all the food, hang out with the sober people, get yourself home into bed to relieve the babysitter and wake up feeling great. And I even wrote a little mantra on my hand, which was today I will moderate and I'll be so proud of myself. And it did not go to plan. I ended up in another blackout whole bunch of silly things were done. My husband and I at the time had a big fight in front of people. It was just really embarrassing and messy. And the next day I woke up and I realized I actually can't control this. 
there's no controlling it. So that was the final nail in the coffin for me to finally stop drinking on the 1st of January, 2019. And from that place, I've gone on to completely transform my life in basically every way possible. I left that unhealthy marriage. I lost about 30 kilos. I'm now really passionate about helping other women in this space so that they can also recreate their lives so that not only they can thrive, but their kids get to reap the benefits of having a really healthy, happy mum. And so, yeah, I've been working as a a life and sobriety coach for around four years and I launched Thrivalist back in 2020 in the middle of crazy lockdown and have supported thousands of women since that point to also change their relationship with alcohol, plus recreate their lives. That's amazing. And thank you so much for vulnerability and for sharing because it's going to help so many other women who are listening to this and going, wow, has that happened to me? What do I need to do to just be aware of what I'm drinking, which kind of leads me on to our next topic of how do we know how much we're drinking? What does that even mean? And so we talked, mm. about, we're going to talk about the alcohol use disorder and how to identify. Can you share more light on that? Yeah. I think the first thing to think about when it comes to have I got a drinking problem or not is if you don't have a drinking problem, you would not even be questioning your relationship with alcohol. Normal drinkers they do not have, they don't have to, you know, set these rules for themselves. They don't have to take chunks of time off just to reset. They literally, it sort of can take it or leave it. So if you're questioning or if there's that kind of intuitive, you know, feeling inside that perhaps you do have a problem with alcohol, I really encourage you to explore that more and stop. Yeah, I guess don't feel the need to hide from it anymore. Don't be afraid of it because, Moving through an alcohol use disorder and coming out the other side is such an empowering, beautiful experience. Okay, I went off topic then a little bit. So the other thing with having an alcohol use disorder or drinking problem or an alcoholic is another word you might hear used to describe this condition. You might hear it as a disease. And I think the the word alcoholic in itself can keep a lot of people trapped in their Mm. drinking behavior because they just don't identify as someone who is an alcoholic. It's been a word that has so much stigma and shame associated with it. And the media and even the alcohol industry and society in general paints this picture of what an alcoholic looks like. And it's ugly, it's dark, and it's dirty, and it's shameful. And so I encourage people to move away from that word alcoholic and focus on the alcohol use disorder spectrum, which is actually the spectrum or the way of diagnosing whether someone has a drinking problem. And this is the way that medical professionals or the tool that medical professionals should actually really use. And so the alcohol use disorder spectrum is basically, if you can imagine a line and on the far left, you have mild and in the middle, you have moderate and on the far right, you have severe. And so where someone's drinking problem sits is anywhere from that mild to severe. And the Diagnostic Statistical Manual has a questionnaire in it, which has 11 questions in it. And depending on how many answer yes to, that will help you to understand where you sit on that alcohol use disorder spectrum. For me, I was 11 out of 11. I had a severe alcohol use disorder. And so that for me was a really empowering moment of realizing, okay, I do have a problem. And this is not just a binge drinking thing that I can control. So doing this questionnaire can be really empowering, really supportive and motivating 
process for anyone who was questioning their own relationship with alcohol. No, that's awesome. It's so interesting because when we're having this conversation, I wasn't actually familiar with this questionnaire because I was used to a different questionnaire called CAGE, which we used in the UK, cutting down, getting angry, guilt, early morning alcohol, which is very quick. But this one's actually really awesome. And I've got it in front of me. And just to give our audience just a taste of it, an example is more than once wanted to cut down or stop drinking or try to, but couldn't. So it ranges from that question to how does it actually, you know, is it affecting your daily life where more than once gotten into situations while or after drinking that increased your chances of getting hurt, for example, such as driving, using machinery, and and it goes down to found that when the effects of alcohol were wearing off, you had withdrawal symptoms such as trouble sleeping, shakiness, restlessness, racing heart, or even seizures. So it's actually a lot more detailed than the CAGE questionnaire. And it's actually a lot more descriptive, like how is it actually affecting your life in different scenarios? So it's actually worth taking. I think that's that's awesome to know about. Yeah. That's something that we'll add to the show notes so people can actually go to the link and have a look at themselves. So that's, mm. that's, that's great. And is that something that clients who come on your journey initially do just to get an idea? Yeah, absolutely. We have it in the first module of our signature sobriety course because we even have some clients that, and I actually can relate to this, that come to us and still think, well, I don't really have a real problem. I have a a binge drinking problem. And once I can get control of that, I'll be able to moderate. Or women who sort of say, well, I used to have a drinking problem. Now it's more under control, but I'll just occasionally black out. And this gives us a really clear indication of whether or not firstly you do have an alcohol use disorder and then if you do where you sit on that spectrum so as I said before it can be a really empowering and motivating part of this process yeah beautiful so let's talk about the whole program because there's various options so you can have like one-to-one coaching you have group program and you've got the online program and I have to say I was really impressed when you showed me the program how incredible it is because it's going it's actually quite an integrative nutritional approach to feeling better, like supporting all your happy chemicals, supporting so many different parts of the journey. It's extremely holistic. So I was blown away how detailed it was. And it's not a simple, it's not just a counseling session. It's not just group therapy. It just goes deeper into biochemical processes, into getting you feeling better. But of course, you've got the added impact of support as well. Yes, totally. So exactly like you just said, the most important, well, I really see that overcoming an alcohol use disorder is not just about going to AA and, you know, saying I have, I'm an alcoholic and I can't drink anymore and then not doing anything else. So you can't just stop and do one thing in isolation or even just go to rehab, have a stint in rehab and then come out and not take a look at your life and look at what areas of your life need to be better supported and improved. So I really see sobriety and successful long-term sobriety being a holistic approach, which is what you just said. And I also even break it up into three pillars and they are community, coaching, and courses. And so the community aspect is when people join Thrivalist, they immediately join a beautiful, supportive community. We have regular group coaching and sharing calls. It's a really safe, non-judgmental and 
It's a private space. So people are often worried about their confidentiality and their privacy, but that's all, you know, protected. And so community is a hugely important part of sobriety. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Johan Hari, who's written an amazing book, Lost Connections. And he says the opposite of addiction is a connection. And it's so true. So when we feel accountable to a group of people and supported and cared for, it really helps to motivate us on our journey. And also the power of sharing our experiences and being able to hear other people and say, oh my God, I can totally relate to that. And that's also happened to me. So this is a really supportive part of the journey. And then the next step, which I said before, was was courses, but it's actually about educating ourselves. And so when it comes to changing our relationship with alcohol, we actually need to rewire our neural pathways. And that's where our signature sobriety course comes in. And it's an eight module, you can do it over eight weeks course, which is full of evidence-based and science-backed content. And it really helps women to see alcohol in a different way, because when you have knowledge, you have power and it can really change. You know, we've been, we've actually been raised in sort of, I say conditioned, but almost brainwashed by the alcohol industry to think that alcohol plays an important role in our life. And I can tell you right now, I thought that for so long. And now I just can't even imagine it ever being necessary in my life. My life is so much better without it. And actually, when you look at what alcohol is, it's a poison, it's carcinogenic, and it's a depressant. It just makes you feel crap. It reduces a whole bunch of stress hormones. When you break it down and look at what it really is, you can see, oh my God, I've been brainwashed to think that this is a beautiful magic elixir in a glass, but actually it's not that at all. And so that's where education comes in. And the eight-week course at the start The first module looks at creating a really powerful craving toolkit because the first thing that's going to happen Mm. when people stop drinking is they're going to start, maybe, not everyone, craving alcohol. And we have some powerful tools to get women going straight off the bat so that they're not feeling too overwhelmed or the physical cravings aren't too intense. And at this point, we also take a look at self-diagnosing any brain chemistry depletions. So what does this mean? So when we drink, we can really mess up the balance of our neurotransmitters. So you talked a little bit before about the feel-good chemicals. So the the four key neurotransmitters that we look at are dopamine, serotonin, GABA, and acetylcholine. And we actually use something that's called the Braverman test, which is, again, it's another type of questionnaire, but it really helps the ladies to self-diagnose where they may need support or what areas or what neurotransmitters are depleted and what they can do to boost them to get them all back in into balance. Neurotransmitters work in harmony like a little orchestra. So they all need to be balanced at the right levels to help us feel good. And then the protocols that we provide based on the Braverman test results include diet, exercise, breath work's a big one, and also amino acid supplementation. And amino acid supplementation is a game changer when it comes to overcoming addiction. And there's a lot of work mainly in the US happening. And a lot of the rehabs now will put you onto an IV amino acid supplementation program where you're getting those uh, neurotransmitters boosted really quickly. And so this just helps the ladies from the very start understand, oh my God, my dopamine is through the floor. Of course, I'm really tired and not motivated and just hating life. So I'm going to take 
the right amino acid supplementation and start feeling better. And that in itself is going to speed up wanting to, you know, stay sober and do all of the right things to clean up the rest of our lives so that we can, you know, head into a really beautiful, supportive, sober life. And the course also looks, as I said before, at changing subconscious beliefs about alcohol, because it's amazing how much people still connect things such as I'm not fun without drinking or socializing is boring without alcohol. I need alcohol to connect with my partner. I need it for sex. A lot of women have these really deeply ingrained beliefs and the course helps to undo those subconscious beliefs and create new beliefs that are actually true. Another huge thing with overcoming alcohol use disorder is really shining a spotlight on what our root causes and our triggers are. Because if we're just ignoring these, we're quitting drinking and going about our life without actually facing the reasons for why we drank to begin with, and then also putting a plan in place to work on these areas and, you know, replace alcohol, which, you know, alcohol does serve a purpose of being a coping mechanism. We need to replace it with healthy coping mechanisms. And if we're ignoring all of this, and what I see so often is you might have a period of abstinence that feels really successful, but then that trigger is going to hit again. That person's going to come back into your life and say something that's going to make you feel horrible and you're going to be drinking again. So it's really important to almost, you know, weed out those triggers one by one and those root causes, which is a big part of the coursework. Wow. And then of course it's... (laughs) There's so much in it. It really is. It's it's jam-packed full of content. But just another thing I wanted to mention is we really take a deep dive into understanding addiction and understanding why some of us are addicted and others are not. And so, yeah, I mean, I could keep going on for a long time, but it's a very integrative, as we said before, holistic approach. And the last pillar is the coaching, which It's just like an extra step for anyone who really needs that extra accountability. It helps to speed up the process of overcoming a drinking problem. It adds that extra layer of support, encouragement and motivation. So it's like having your own kind of cheerleader in the background ready to support you at any time. And I do see a a pattern with the women who do the coaching and the course together. They seem to kind of get free a little bit quicker and then stay sober long-term. Wow. So that's the, yeah, the three pillars approach. That's amazing. It's so comprehensive. And like I said, I was, I was actually blown away how integrative, holistic it was. And, and there's so much more to it. It kind of leads me on to the next question. You're absolutely right. Like what alcohol can do. Now, some listeners might say, I don't want to give up completely. Can I just cut down? And do you often have that question coming to you? Like, the whole journey of giving up may mean may seem like a mountain in front of them, and it might be right for who um, for certain people wherever they are in the journey. What would you say to women who actually go, actually, I don't want to give up? Yeah, and so first of all, by completing the alcohol use disorder questionnaire, so understanding where you sit on the spectrum, and if like let's say you have a mild alcohol use disorder potentially you can learn to drink in healthier, more conscious ways. So cutting back might actually work for people on the milder end. And there's actually, there's been a bit of research. There's not a lot of research yet in this space of understanding why some people can moderate and some people can't. But from my understanding, anyone who's been in 
the kind of higher end of the moderate to severe alcohol use, the end of the alcohol use disorder spectrum for over seven, sort of 10 years. It's these women who I recommend at least taking a large chunk of time. And when I say large, three to six months off drinking to do that deeper work, to rewire your neural pathways, to create a healthier lifestyle for yourself. And then you can see whether moderation is firstly something that you even want to do. Because for me, it's like, I couldn't think of anything worse. So that's my goal is to get those ladies to a place of not wanting it. For people who are on the mild end and just think, you know, maybe I should be drinking a little bit less. There's absolutely nothing wrong with giving it a go. So alcohol is always going to be available to us, right? We can always go down the street and get a bottle of wine. So if you choose just to take a little period of time off and then experiment and see whether you can have a glass or two, and maybe you're drinking two days a week rather than four, if it's working for you, then that's fantastic. But the moment that you start to feel like you're breaking those rules that you set for yourself or you're waking up and you're experiencing anxiety or any negative consequences from your drinking, I just encourage you to ask the question rather than asking like, should I stop forever or should I not? It's more about, is alcohol holding me back from anything in life? Is alcohol still serving me? Is it something that is helping me to have my best, fullest, most incredible life? And if the answers to those questions are no or you know, alcohol is not serving you anymore, I encourage you to think about taking a bit longer of a break to see if you can do any of that deeper work. So yeah, does that answer your question? So well, thank you. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to actually ask many of my, you know, anyone who asked that question to listen to this podcast, you answered it really well. It just gives, it's, it's about creating awareness, being aware of where you are at this moment in terms of relationship really? with alcohol. And what, what you're providing is just such a beautiful, supportive, non-judgmental pathway to health, which is so awesome. Because when I really think back, I go, wow, you know, health professionals, doctors can be so judgmental when people are talking about alcohol. It's almost like patriarchal, you know, shouldn't be, this is what you need to do. And you can't have that kind of conversation now because it's so much more deeper when it comes to addiction and, and that journey and what it's been serving you. It's a completely different conversation we need to have in order to support women or even men learning how to change their relationship with alcohol. And that's why I love what you say is changing the relationship with alcohol and removing the labels surrounded by, oh, alcoholic, or I've got an alcohol problem. It's like, how do we shift that relationship? As you quite rightly said, it's everywhere. It's so easily accessible. And it's also easily, it's so socially acceptable as well. So you actually have got so many pathways that are actually working against you if you're trying to give up. Absolutely. It's almost like- It's the only drug anyone's going to ask you why you've stopped. Why you've stopped. If you told someone you'd quit smoking or you've quit taking heroin, they'd be celebrating you. They'd be so happy for you. But this one, it's the moment we start talking about our own drinking problems, it holds a mirror up to everyone around us. So the people that we're talking to suddenly think, oh, does that mean I've got a drinking problem too? So there's a lot of judgment that comes with people questioning their own relationship and doing that work on themselves as well. Well, so it's such a hard journey to take alone. Absolutely. And I think you also mentioned it, like, you know, socially, it's it, it can be quite hard 
when someone says, right, let's get a bottle, let's share it. And you want to feel part of the group. You want to have that tribe effect. And it takes a lot of courage to step out and say, oh, I'm not drinking. So it yeah, is absolutely. Journey, and that's why the support, the direction, the guidance is actually so important. So thank you so much, Lucy, for creating this and spending time and effort and energy into creating this. It's going to help so many women. Thank you so much, Shami. Thank you for being such a, an amazing supporter and for having me on this podcast. Awesome. And before we let you go, where can people find you? So the best place is just the website, thrivalesssobriety.com. I've also launched a new podcast, which is called Sober Not Sorry, which has heaps of amazing personal stories and expert interviews and all sorts of things. And yeah, on Instagram at thrivalesssobriety. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shami. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.